Well, praise the Lord. Let's turn to Mark chapter number 5 tonight. Mark chapter number 5. We can stand to our feet, reverence the word of the Lord tonight. And Mark chapter number 5, this is the word of the Lord that God has given us for this evening, other than what you've already heard. Aren't you glad that he died for us, friends? Aren't you glad that he lives for us? He's going to come again and get us one of these days. I just thought about, you know, just the simple fact of what manner, the, what manner, uh, the beloved, uh, that we should be called the sons of God. And uh, that's putting us in a place of Jesus Christ as a whole. We're presented in front of Jesus Christ first at the judgment seat of Christ. Then we're moved from the judgment seat and we'll be presented to God in front of heaven. And in front of God and we'll be presented to Him. And when we're presented to Him, well, yeah, I believe Jesus will look at us and He'll be like, Look, Lord, this, look, Father, this is, they're just like me. They're just like me. I've already burned out the imperfections of them. I've already done all those things and I've taken good care of them. But I'm thankful for the Word of the Lord and I'm thankful that we have the opportunity and privilege to be able to read it tonight. We'll read 20 verses and we'll sit down and I hope you can stand for that time. Amen. So Mark chapter number 5, verse 1 The Bible says, and they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. That's all we're going to read, actually. And then we'll go through the whole, through verse number 20, and we'll preach that. But no man, any man, neither could any man tame him. You can be seated. Could I get a little more up here, please? Lord, we love you. We ask you, dear God, to help us tonight. Lord, we need your help tonight, and I need your help tonight to preach the gospel, to preach the word of the Lord. And I pray, God, you'd help your people in here, Lord, to have receptive ears. Uh, I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, in every way, uh, um, Lord, to worship you here tonight. Lord, we're thankful, God, for how you loved us. Uh, Lord, how you sent your son to die for us, Lord. How you are one day coming again for us, Lord. And I'm forever grateful for how you've done it personally for me. Lord, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. Help us tonight. Help each individual to have open ears to be receptive of your word. We love you and we praise you. Amen and amen. So we have come to a familiar passage tonight. All of this chapters uh, are familiar passage. Uh, and uh, I heard one say um, that all scriptures should be familiar unto you. And that is true. It is true. But we've come to this uh, more familiar passage, if you will, uh, here this evening, when it's speaking of, as we call him, you know, the demoniac, the man filled with the devils, whatever you want to call him. Uh, um, uh, but but uh, around this, uh, we see that this whole area is filled with many familiar passages. Uh, and I've preached from this passage before. I've preached from the prior passage uh, and so on. Uh, but just prior to the events that we have read tonight, uh, or we will go through tonight, just prior to those events, uh, Jesus and his disciples were out 
out in the midst of the sea uh, and there was a terrible storm uh, and that took place out in that sea and the disciples were certain uh, um, that they were going to die. Uh, is that not right? Everybody with me so far. Uh, they were sure that they were going to die. I believe it's th- uh, verse number uh, 35 and the same day, uh, uh, verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep uh, on a pillow and they awake him and say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Uh, he didn't even, they didn't even think that he cared at this point. Uh, um, but he was there uh, and he was in the ship and we understand that they were scared to death. Uh, they had fear for their lives and he asked them, hey, where is your faith? Uh, and oh, ye of little faith, uh, they had little faith. Jesus had already told them, here, we're going to go to the other side. Uh, if they would have just trusted his word, they would have been in good shape. Uh, and that's our lives as well. But here they are and they're in their minds. They were in a, a hopeless situation. Uh, um, they were in a helpless situation. Uh, and when they were engulfed in the midst of this storm, the disciples uh, um, were sure that they were going to die. And those men were seasoned fishermen. Right? Those men had fished before. They had been out in the storm before. Uh, They had been in the tough place. And I'm not preaching on any of this, but they were uh, helpless to solve their own problem at this point. But that storm out on the deep was no problem for the master of the sea. Amen, friend. There was no problem for him. He calmed the storm uh, and uh, he calmed his men in the midst of the storm. Uh, and now he comes to a new part uh, and now uh, um, Jesus moves into um, to a new set of impossible situations. Uh, and if I had my other Bible, I'd have them all written down here in my Bible, um, but I don't have my other Bible right now. And so uh, he comes to a new set of impossible situations uh, and he comes to this fact where, where there uh, Jesus moves in into this and and he encounters a demon possessed man and this man is in a hopeless situation uh, um, just as the prior passage uh, um, they were in a hopeless and a helpless situation uh, and this man was uh, possessed by thousands of devils uh, and you say how do you know it was thousands well there was two thousand swine so uh, and they filled them so there was a bunch of devils uh, um, that took place and the word legion in the military form uh, uh, means up to ten thousand uh, and so there was a lot of them that was in there uh, and so this man was possessed uh, and he came cannot help himself. Uh, the people around him cannot help him. Uh, and again, after this, Jesus uh, goes on and he deals with another helpless situation. Uh, and you can read on a little farther in verse 21 and on. Uh, he deals with a woman, uh, um, Jairus' daughter and matter of fact, and he deals with her uh, and she's diseased. Uh, and he deals with a dead girl. Uh, and he deals with all those things and all full of those situations seem hopeless. Or helpless. Helpless situations that no man can do. Uh, no man can deal with death. Uh, no man can deal with disease. Uh, and no man can deal uh, with a disastrous storm. Uh, and no man can deal with demons. Uh, um, but Jesus come on the scene. Uh, and he had the answer to the problems. Uh, and he knew what he was doing. Uh, and so the dead girl. Uh, friend, that, that, that we can look at all of it. And uh, all four of them uh, from a human perspective was hopeless friend he was the master of them all he was the master of them all. We're talking about the same Jesus uh, that you and I serve tonight. Uh, and if that demon, uh, Jesus proved uh, that these were no match for him. 
If that demon-possessed man were alive today, he'd be sent off to a mental institution. Right? I mean, if, if, if that diseased woman uh, um, was here with the issue of blood, uh, um, she would have been z- sent off to a terminally ill uh, place, ward, whatever you want to call it, uh, and there she would have stayed. Uh, if that dead girl of Jairus' daughter, uh, if she would have been in this time, uh, she would have been sent off to a cemetery. That's where she would have been. But I'm telling you, uh, as we move through this chapter, we're going to discover that that Jesus is not just the master of the deep. Uh, He's not just the master of the demoniac. uh, And He's not just the master of the disease uh, and the master of the dead. uh, But He is the master of all things. He's the master of all things. And He'll demonstrate His power and He'll show His power over situations and over problems and difficulties uh, and over uh, dangers that we might face today. We're all going to face death. I don't believe Jesus is going to rise you up again, but He did just there with uh, the preacher man down there and uh, uh, down there um, towards the Lord help me, I'm trying to remember, but He raised him practically from the dead. They declared him dead. Is that not right? Someone help me with his name. I can't remember his name, Ryan, Brother Ryan, down there, Marlowe, Brother Ryan Marlowe. I mean, he was, he was declared dead, brain dead. Well, he's not now. You know where he's at now? He's at home. Amen, friend. He's at home. Is everything perfect? Absolutely not. Are they going to have to deal with a lot of things? Absolutely, but he's not dead. Somebody help me here. Amen. Now you listening to me tonight, right? So to take, so to take uh, today, we're going to look at this, and we're going to see what is taking place in this passage. That's all we're going to deal with. We're not going to deal with the other three passages, but we're going to deal with this passage. Uh, and uh, I, I want you to, I want you to look at this and see um, the the facts. We live in a we live in a wicked world. We live in a wicked world. And I don't know who this is applied to, but this is what the Lord's got on my heart tonight. So I'm just going to preach it. And so I'm going to preach on this simple fact. The man no man could tame. The man no man could tame. I want you to look at three things. Take a look at them with me. I want you to look at number one. I want you to take a look at a sinful man. So we see in verse number one that he said, let him go to the other side. And he goes on, and as they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him a man of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. You see where it says that two times. He met him out of the tombs, and then he had his dwelling among the tombs. And there's many things that takes place, verse 5, and in the tombs he was crying and he was cutting himself with stones. And so so I want you to notice a few things of this man. I always have uh, um, three points and then uh, some points to those points. And so uh, I want you to notice, number one, there's the squeeze uh, of the, on this man, the squeeze. Uh, the Bible says, and when he was come out of the ship, uh, immediately the man, a man uh, of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. It was a man with an unclean spirit. As the story begins and as everything uh, begins to tell there, and as Jesus uh, tells this actual story, this is not a parable, uh, but this actually happened. uh, And as it takes place there, we're told uh, that this man is held fast in the grip of the devil. He has got an unclean spirit, and Satan is the master of his life. 
He's in a state of hopelessness. He's in a state of helplessness. And we're told that he has an unclean spirit. And then we find out that he's not just the home to one one spirit, but he's a home to many spirits. Not right. Legion, for we are many. That's what it tells us. And, and he's possessed by a legion of devil. As Jesus asked him and says, What is thy name? And he says, Legion, Legion, for we are many. Legion, for we are many. And a, a legion in the Roman army uh, or anything that's already mentioned could be uh, anywhere from 2,000 uh, to, to 10,000 uh, of, of whatever it may be. It's a, it's a big number. It's a big number. And so this man was totally under the control of the devil. Friend, I'm telling you something today. We live in a wicked world. I've said it and I'll say it again. We live in a wicked world. We live in a world where um, there's so much diversity and depravity and wickedness uh, in this day. uh, And all it is. uh, And we look at people and we say, how in the world uh, can that happen? And and how can they make that choice? Uh, And how can they do that? Uh, How can they press that to their lips again? Uh, And the Bible tells us how they can. Uh, The Bible says uh, that they will go down in a drunken stupor. uh, And when they wake Wake up again. They will seek it yet again. The drunk to the drugs to all those things. How can they do it? Well, they have been blinded by the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 4 tells us that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them unless the light of the glorious gospel shine upon them. That's the only light that will ever wake them. And that's the only light that will take off their blinders. And that's the only way. But it's going to have to be preached to them. It's going to have to be preached to them. Uh, Ephesians tells us in Ephesians uh, in chapter number 2. Uh, I, I should be able to quote these verses. Uh, but Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says, And ye have the quickened who are dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, and where in the times past you walked according to the course of this world. Uh, according to the prince of the power of the air. Uh, the spirit that now worketh in the children of uh, disobedience. Among whom uh, also we had our conversation in time. Times past. The lust of our flesh. We live that way. We can't just point at the legion and say, man, what a wicked man. He would have went to see, he would have went to hell without Jesus, and we would have too. Amen. Jesus didn't just come to save you from hell. Jesus didn't just come to save you from your sins, but actually the real reason Jesus came is to take you to God. That's the reason He came to this earth, is to fix that gap that was between you and God. That's the reason He came. It wasn't just to keep you out of hell. He loved you, but He wanted to come to give you a relationship with the Lord. That's why he came to this earth, friend, I'm telling you. Uh, and, but, but it's a pitiful shape uh, to be in. It's a pitiful shape to see people in. Uh, um, that Satan uh, had their squeeze, has his squeeze on their lives. Uh, and he squeezed the ever-loving life out of them. Uh, every breath that they take, uh, it seems like they can't win. Uh, and this happens with Christians too. Amen. What happened to the joy of your salvation? What happened to the life that you used to live? 
for God. What happened to that? I mean, I mean, uh, Jesus never changed. He's been the same yesterday, forevermore. He'll always be the same. Don't let Satan get a squeeze on you. I'm not saying this man was saved because he surely was not. He was at the end of the passage, but he wasn't yet. He was possessed by devils. And I don't believe, listen to me, I don't believe that a saved person can be possessed by devils. Understand me. Don't believe that. There's a spirit inside of you that's not going to allow that to happen. But there's a flesh on the outside of you that will allow the devil to work on your life. How do you think we sin today? Do you think it's the spirit inside of you that allows you to sin today? No. It's our free will. It's the flesh of our free will. That's why we sin. And so, so it's simple, but this man had a squeeze on him. Second, I want you to notice the shape of this, shape of this man. The shape of this man. Verse 3, the Bible says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man could bind him, no one out with chains, uh, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. The chains, uh, uh, the chains had been plucked asunder by him. He's some strength. And the fetters were broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Neither could any man tame him. Friend, I tell you, two words show heavily in this man's life. As you look on this, we're talking about the shape of his life. Two things are so heavy in that, and that is the simple word of chains and fetters. That stuck out to me in that text. Stuck out to me in that text. That those were chains and, and fetters and uh, um, gray, uh, tombs uh, and all of those uh, words right there that stick out. And, and, you know, the man had been dwelling among the dead. You with me, right? Been dwelling among the dead and the demons in him uh, drove him away from all of the living of the world. The demons did. They drove him away from the living. They drove him away from all that and he spent his every day, he spent his life at the cemetery. Imagine that life. Now you say, preacher, you've been literal. He was at the cemetery. Yeah, he was at the cemetery. You know, I mean, people people were not buried in that day, usually buried in that day, but rather they were hewn out of a rock and put in the cliff, right? I mean, you do study, you find that tombs were carved in the hillsides. They were carved, and the bodies were placed in those tombs. I mean, because of his demons, this man lived with the bones and the decaying corpse of, of this world. People that have died, we are also told that the people around him tried their best to restrain him. They couldn't get him. They could not get him and they would catch him uh, and they would bind him with fetters and chains. I mean, how else would he get bound? It doesn't tell us exactly that, um, you know, they just come and they just bound him up, but how else would he got the chains and fetters? And so they would catch him, they would bind him and fetters would have been attached around his feet and chains would have been attached around his hands. And would have been in that shape and, and his arms and his torso uh, and all of those things. Uh, and these man-made devices could not hold him. And he broke them all as though they were made of paper. And, you know, when we look at this soul like this, when we look at a man like this, there's people in this world this way. I'm telling you, it, 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 it's hard not to... Man, it's not hard to make the leap, to make the, the contrast, or not the contrast. It's not hard to make the 
the, the position and put it in the same application as into our lost loved ones today. It's not hard to put that, that same stuff. Man, I got family, my very own family that's, that's got fetters around their ankles. Literally. Amen. That's got, that's got just chains around them, uh, chains of sin. I mean, I'm talking about from drunkenness to, 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 to shacking up, uh, to living however they want to live every single day. Uh, can I just tell you it's not of God? I just want to, I want you to know that it's not of God. You'll never, ever prove to me uh, anywhere in all of the Bible that any of that stuff's of God. You'll never be able to prove me that social drinking is of God. You'll never be able to. You'll never be able to prove to me that living with someone you ain't married is of God. Right? You'll never be able to prove me that any of those things uh, is right according to the Bible. If the Bible's a mirror and we line our lives up with it, then it's chains. It's chains. It's something that's, that binds our life, and it's not right. It's not right, friend. The sin that the, the, there's people today that are trapped in an awful state of, of depravity, wickedness. and The sin that, uh, that possesses the heart of lost sinner drives him uh, to spend his days uh, and waste his years uh, and squander each year and each day uh, for the devil. That's what it is. Friend, I'm telling you, the lost sinner has no desire to be around the living. The living. Ye who were dead in your trespass sin. We already read that. Dead in your trespass sin. That means before salvation we were dead. Ye hath he quickened, made alive. Quickened who were dead in your trespass. So if we were dead in our trespass, that's who they want to be around. If you live anything like Jesus, they don't want to be around you for long. Amen, friend. Of course, man has his methods of trying to conquer and cure all the problems uh, that, that come along with humanity and all that. And man has his jails and his prisons and his institutions and his asylums and all those things. And listen, I'm not against those things. Understand me, okay? Everybody with me so far? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not against the fact of the jails and thank God that we have those things. Because I don't want them running around. Right? But man pushes pills, potions, psychological wards and all of those things uh, as the answer to man's problems. I'm not against those things. Understand me. God gave those things. Okay? But 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 man pushed those things more than they pushed God. More than they pushed Jesus. Uh, and the problem with man's efforts to cure humanity's problems uh, is that man's efforts only treat the symptoms. That's it. They don't, they don't treat the situation that the man is in, the shape that he's in. Uh, and man acts like he acts and does what he does uh, because he is a sinner. You know what sinners do? Sin. Right? That's what sinners do. Uh, and friend, lost people choose darkness uh, over light uh, and because they hate the light. Man, I feel good though in here tonight. 
But lost people choose sin over the Savior because they're evil and they're totally given over to the pursuit of the devil. And that's what they want to do. They're given over the pursuit of evil. And let me just add that a profession, professing believer needs to examine his or her heart when they begin to desire the works of darkness rather than light. Amen. You need to look at a spiritual condition. Amen. When you find reasonings for avoiding the light. Amen, friend. When you can't can't sit through a preaching service, you have a spiritual problem. I don't believe we got anybody in here like that, but when you can't sit through a preaching service of a good long time, we got a problem. I've had people say, you you know, and I've, I've heard it and I agree with it on partial. And listen, uh, you know, the simple fact is, you know, your, what is it? Your, your head can only handle what your butt can. Is that right? Or something along those lines. Meaning you can't just sit that long. And I don't disagree with that. I've said in long messages. But if God's in it, friend, and you're in it, you ain't going to worry about it. You don't. You got a problem sitting? Stand up real fast, shout real quick, and sit back down. You'll be fine. I, I promise you. I promise you. But 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 when you can't sit through a preaching service, you have a spiritual problem. And when you find reasons to avoid the house of God, you have a spiritual problem. You're beginning um to revert back to the old ways of the old man and how the old man wanted to do the things of the old man. Um, but when we are born again, our desires change from our own fleshly desires and turn. To his desire for us. Amen, friend. That is a dangerous and it's a frightening place to find yourself. Amen, friend. Amen. The, the, the shape of this man, he was dwelling in tombs. Amen. I want you to notice the sorrow of this man. Verse 5, the Bible says, And I have always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Can you imagine the terror? This man caused. I mean, he's up up there in the cemetery. He lives up there. That's where his housing is. He's naked. That's another thing. And he and he, he's running around like a wild man day and night. I mean, he's crying and he's cutting himself with stones and all of this happened. He cuts himself and his body's covered with blood. His body's covered with scars. Uh, and he screams and he yells in his torment. And we do not know whether this man cut his body in an effort to find relief uh, from the demons or whether the demons caused him to do it. Uh, I cannot say that, but we do know uh, why he uh, went in, why he screamed, and why he, um, why he cried in those tombs. Uh, it may be that he did these things because he was desperate to be free. Maybe that he did them because he was compelled to do them. I don't know what matter, what, 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 whatever the matter this is, he is in a desperate situation. He's in a sorrowful situation, right? I mean, he's in a problematic situation. And whether you are lost in here and you're bound in your sin or whether you're saved and out of God's will, there is only one cure. Amen, friend. There's only one cure. There's always only going to be one cure. Uh, And friend, you do not need a pill. Uh, I'm not against them. Understand me. Uh, I'm not against them. Uh, I've heard people say, man, throw away those pills. Uh, And and, and, no, don't throw away those pills. Uh, When that person says throw away those pills, tell them to pull off those glasses uh, and throw them in the trash. Uh, Tell them to pull out that pacemaker and throw it in the trash. Right? Everybody with me so far? Uh, All I'm saying is it's not wrong uh, to take pills. But I'm telling you, uh, it's everybody 
wants to turn to the doctor uh, and turn to the pills. uh, And you do not uh, need a psychiatrist. uh, And you do not need a priest. uh, And you do not need a program. uh, You need Jesus is what you need. uh, That's what that person needs. Amen. Amen, friend. It doesn't take pills and priests and programs and psychiatrists to do all those things. It takes Jesus. Amen. And I understand Jesus gave the gift to doctors to be able to do what they do today. But I'm telling you the truth. If we would turn to Jesus first, oftentimes we wouldn't have to turn to doctors. Amen. I'm not saying don't go to the doctors, but turn to Jesus first. Take it to Him and see if He takes it away from you. I don't care what problem it is. He is the antidote for the poison of sin. That's what He is. And I'm telling you the truth. That's what He needs. We have been bit by sin and we need an antidote. And I tell you the truth is that He is the antidote because He took sin on Him and paid for that sin. And we can look back in Numbers. I think it is chapter 21. I preached up at Mount Carmel not long ago. And there was a snake. There was a snake that was put up on a pole. And that snake represented Calvary. And that snake represented everything that those Jewish people needed. It represented everything. You know what was biting them down there? Snakes. How in the world can a snake cure a snake? They had a snake problem. You know what they needed to cure that snake problem? A snake. Does it make sense, everybody? It really, really doesn't upon appearance. It really doesn't make sense uh, on why you would bring a snake. Uh, But if they would look to that, uh, they would live. Uh, That's all they had to do was look to it and they would live. Uh, And Jesus Christ, as as he read it, uh, I almost said the preacher read it, uh, as he read it. uh, But as it was uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, uh, he became sin for us who knew no sin. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Uh, He became sin. He became me. So I could become him. Right? And so, so there was a sin problem. And so sin paid for that's, that's called redemption, by the way. It took a donkey to pay for a donkey. Amen. Uh, I can't get into all that, but I'm telling you in here is that this man's condition, this man's problem, uh, this man's uh, dealing with a situation, uh, and Jesus was the only answer uh, to this man's problem. Uh, It's horrible, but it could serve us as a template uh, that could be laid out uh, over millions of lives. Uh, In fact, friend, uh, there are people that is in this city uh, and in this county uh, and in this country uh, who are are defiled, they're depraved, they're desperate, they're in problem, that they live in a life. I mean, you go through Atlanta, I've been through it a bunch of times in the last few days, and you'll see people all over the side of the road. I know half of them's probably lazy and they can't get a job, but I'm telling you the truth here is what they need more than anything is Jesus. They'll pop pills day in and day out uh, and continue to rack their bodies with the drugs and the, 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 the shots that they uh, put inside of their bodies uh, and live that way. And they got needle tracks up their arms. Uh, they probably got a little meth residue on their nose. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling you, uh, Jesus would cure that. And it goes that way for any sin. Jesus uh, 
would cure that, friend. They need help. And their only source is Jesus. You need to take them to it. You need to take them to him. You do. I do too. Friend, help us. Helps in the name of Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? He was my help. In my sinful condition, he was my help. Took a look at a sinful man. Secondly, we take a look at a sovereign Messiah. We see verse 6 through verse number 13. Now, i got to hurry, man. I don't know how long I've been preaching, but I'm thankful for the Lord. Uh, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Amen. He ran and worshipped him. Friend, we see compassion when it comes to the Messiah. We see compassion. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. Everyone in this region feared Jesus. You do studies. He feared this man too. They feared this man. Everyone around feared this man. I would fear a man that was this crazy too. They fled in terror when he came near, I can only imagine. They trembled in their houses at the sounds of the shouts of his torment. Maybe they could hear it up on the mountain as it echoed through the valley as they were coming through in the land of the Gadarene. But I tell you, friends, that children were warned uh, to stay inside because of this crazy man. Think about it. You know, I was also thinking, this is just a little uh, time out moment, but I was also thinking, why did Jesus only go to this place one time? And I believe the reason that they, Jesus only went here one time is because this man took it out. This man won the county. This man won the town. And Jesus didn't need to come back. You with me? Oh, I'm sa- I, I, I know I'm getting to that in a little while, but I, I, don't believe, I believe that's it. it. Children were warned of this man. Everyone avoided this man. Everyone that is there avoided him. But Jesus... Jesus is the only one that could touch lepers and not get leprosy. We walk in mud puddles. He walks on them. That's how he works. But, but he was the only one that could touch a leper and not get it. Jesus did not avoid him. But he made a special trip across the sea. He braved the storm. Remember, it's the only time he ever went to this place. And he wanted to deliver this man from the grip of Satan. Friend, I'm telling you something. Everyone else feared. Everyone avoided him. Everyone despised him. But Jesus, when he looked at him, he saw a lost sinner. He saw someone that he was going to go die for. Amen. Jesus cared about the condition he was in. And Jesus was moved to do something. This man wasn't even a Jew. I mean, he was a Gentile. But still the Lord reached out to him. He was a Gentile dog. Friend, I can't thank God enough for His boundless love, for His compassion, for His compassion. And and praise the Lord, there's no helpless cases when it comes to Him. And we see people and sometimes we think, uh, they are a lost cause. We may wonder if they can can or will be saved. and Well, I I can't tell you for sure what they will be, but I... I can look around this room and I can say, thank God, God can do saving. Amen. Amen. 
Amen, friend. I mean, you are here, you're saved today because of the Savior and His compassion on you. He didn't have to save you. But He said He'd save all. He said He'd save whosoever. He said He'd save all. And by the way, all means all. No matter how you want to look at it, all means all. Amen. One preacher said, all means all, and that's all that all can mean. Amen. That's just the facts, friend. And it don't matter the baggage you carry. It don't matter any of those things. Uh, not, even the baggage, not, in, not, not even the baggage you carry today. Uh, there was a compassionate Savior that loved you. Amen. Friend, Jesus see people with a different set of eyes than we do. We see people in their sins. He sees what he can make of their lives. We see a drunk. He sees a deacon. Right? I mean, I, friend, we see a drug dealer. He sees a preacher. That's just how God works. He sees the beginning from the end uh, and the end from the beginning. I mean, that's just how he does. We see a harlot. We see a church member. He sees a church member. I mean, I mean, this is just how lives were changed by Jesus and how his actions were. And uh, he will take what you give him uh, and he will give you something so much more than that. We didn't think we was going to get what we got when we got saved. But man, he gave us so much more. Amen. We see the compassion of the Messiah. We see the confrontation of the Messiah. And verse 7, And cried with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? adjure thee by God, that thou torment me, not, torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of this man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. So he said, Now there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place in the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. This man, friend, this man who ran from everyone else, who everybody else ran from him, he ran to the Lord. And he fell at the feet of the Lord. Uh, and the demons that drove uh, and this man's life uh, uh, began to leave him as the Lord uh, um, uh, sent him out of them. Uh, and as the Lord did that work that only he can do. Uh, but the demons uh, that went there, uh, they did not fall down before Jesus to worship him as Lord. Uh, and they did not do any of those things. Uh, but they merely fell down uh, in the acknowledgement of his deity and who he was. Uh, because every man has to do that. Because he's God. He's always going to be God. And it doesn't matter. But the demons still tremble at him being God. Because that's just who he is. But friend, Jesus confronts the demons. And he orders them to release this man. He orders that. 
The demons acknowledge the deity and the um, authority of Jesus Christ in verse 7. And cried with a loud voice saying, What have I to do with thee, thou son of the most high God? Don't worry about what's going on over here. Just letting everybody know. He ain't bothering me either. But I'm telling you the truth uh, is that we have uh, a God in heaven uh, who is the most high God. That's what he is, friend. Uh, And Jesus confronts the demons. uh, And they beg him. Hey, they say, do not adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Torment me not. They knew their power and they knew He is. Amen, friend. The demons then request that they might be allowed to enter into a herd of swine that was feeding nearby. They asked if they were able to. Could they go go into the swine? Man, they they are acknowledging who He is. They're acknowledging who He is at this point. Uh, and they want Him to tell them uh, if they can go. Uh, um, Brother Buster Seaton said that when those pigs jumped into that water uh, and with those demons, uh, and they did not die. Said they swam all the way to the other side uh, and they come out on the sea on the other side and ended up in North Carolina State and they began to preach baptismal salvation. That's not true, by the way. But that's just what it is, is that this is what we have. And Jesus gives them permission. They leave out of this man in verse 13. And when they do, the swine cannot tolerate the demons. And they jump in the water. And we have our first case of country ham. Amen. I'm just telling you is that this is a strange passage, but it teaches us some important things. First of all, it simply teaches us that Jesus is not subject to any other spirit. But they're all subject to Him. Amen, friend. They're all subject to Him. And this verse tells us that in Revelation 20, verse 10, I believe it is, tells us that Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. And he's going to be there where the false prophet is already there. And there's another one that I can't remember and I'm not going to misquote it. But where the false prophet is. He's going there. The Antichrist. There we go. And the false prophet is going to be there. And friend, Jesus is already victor. Amen. And so we see this uh, Messiah's confirmation. We see the Messiah's command. Verse 13, the Bible says, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine, the herd, ran valley down a steep place in the sea. They were about 2,000 were choked in the sea. It was a command, friend. Every effort of man had failed this man. Everything that man could have done had failed him. Everything he had tried to retain a grip on his own sanity had proven useless. But Jesus, one word from Jesus, and all of a sudden he was set free. One word is all it took. It didn't take chains. It didn't take fetters. It didn't take any of those things, but it took a word from Jesus. You see what you're seeing around you right now. That took a word. Amen, friend. And when Jesus wants you to come, we see in Revelation 4.1 where the Bible says come up hither and that's, one, that's a word. And guess what? That's what he's going to say. We, and you know, what's, you know what it's going to take? A word. And we're gone. 
Amen. That's all it is. And that, that's glory. That's the glory of salvation. Man can try his re- religious works, but all the works of man will not save you. Uh, and it will fail you every day. Uh, for your grace, by, for by grace are you saved uh, through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, man can try his papa, um, every uh, psychology that he wants to go to, uh, and it will fall far short uh, of changing the heart of a, a sinner. Uh, man can try his pills. Uh, make somebody help me. Uh, man can try his programs. Uh, man can try his practices, uh, but they will never change uh, the lives of the lost, hellbound sinners. Uh, but friend, I tell you right now, uh, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus comes on the scene, uh, and the problems of sin will cease, and He will save you. Amen, That's right. Amen friend. There's only one hope for those trapped in the lives of sin, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen, friend. We see a sinful man, a sovereign Messiah. I'm, I'm beginning to finish. Take a look at a saving miracle. Verse 14, the Bible says, And they that fed the swine fled. So there were some that were feeding the swine. There was the keepers of the swine, right? And, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out. He said, they said, Jesus, I want you to get out of here. Man, if you can got that much power, get out of here. Little did they know that's all they needed. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He, the, the, the man with the devil wanted, wanted Jesus to stay with him. There's a saving miracle here. We've seen it in verse 14 through 16. We see a change was displayed in this man's life. A change. When the pigs ran down the mountain and killed themselves, the servants uh, who were tending to them uh, um, uh, went to town and they told the, their masters what had happened and the tw- townsfolk uh, came to see what had taken place. And when they arrived, they heard all the details and they could see the evidence of a changed life that was right before their eyes. Verse 16, And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerns one. Verse 15, They come to Jesus, see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting clothed in his right mind. They were afraid. I don't know where the clothes came from, but they come. You will dress differently when you get saved. Amen, friend. Uh, I want you to notice uh, Jesus did the changing. There's no other person in this world that can do what Jesus can do. When it comes to spiritual life changing, Jesus is going to have to be the one that does it. Uh, the Bible tells us, and, and we just read that verse, that said he was sitting and clothed uh, in his right mind. Uh, and so Jesus uh, did the changing. No longer is he running around. Uh, no longer is he crying aloud. Uh, no longer is he cutting himself. Uh, but now he's calm uh, and he's seated and he's beside Jesus. Uh, that's the best place he can be, amen. Uh, what a change. Uh, and that's how it works, friend. You cannot meet Jesus and remain the same. Many claim the name, but man, they remain the same. 
He changes all those who come unto him. Jesus saith unto Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, uh, how can a man be born of a woman uh, and then born of uh, born again? How can a man be born again? And, and I, I'm not quoting it perfectly. And Jesus said, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That which is born of water is water. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Those babies going to be born in water. It's going to take a spiritual change in their lives one of these days. They're going to have to be born again. and They're going to have to be born by the Spirit of God. Jesus is going to have to do that. And Jesus is going to have to do the changing. Jesus changed him. Jesus clothed him. The Bible says he was clothed. The Bible says he was clothed in this right mind. No longer is he naked. It's good stuff. Amen. This is just further proof of his change. And what we need to notice here is that what Jesus does in the heart of a man is always worked out to the outward appearance of a man. Amen. Matthew chapter number 23, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and he says... uh, Ye uh, scribes and Pharisees, and he says, uh, "Ye viper generation of vipers, uh, you have uh, the sepulcher on the inside is uh, ro- it's wrong, it's black, but the outside is whited sepulcher, and it's wicked, and it's wicked, uh, and that's a problem with today's society. Uh, is everybody uh, everybody can look like a Christian, uh, but man, you take them home and they don't act like a Christian, uh, they don't live like a Christian. Uh, but I'm telling you the truth here tonight uh, is that if you are a child of God. You'll look, you'll act, you'll walk, you'll talk like a child of God. Amen, Amen friend. Jesus did the clothing, and he's going to clothe you better than you did Amen. before. Better than you did. Amen. Jesus did the calming. The Bible says he had him sitting in his right mind. We are told that he's in his right mind. Where, where, where there has been turmoil and sorrow now is calmness peace only comes from the Lord friend he's got the peace that passes all understanding and there's now there's perfect peace and he's he has been changed spiritually he's been changed physically and he's been changed mentally that's the full blown change that Christ does in a person amen friend and what a picture of total change Total salvation that brings to a converted sinner. Jesus literally gives everyone he saves a brand new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, friend. Jesus changed him from the inside out. You seeing how that is? Tells him. Says he was had the sitting clothed in his right mind. Jesus works that way, friend. Jesus started with the man's real problem. He had a bad heart. A bad heart's every man's problem. Every lost man's problem. His sin isn't his problem at this point. Understand that. The outward manifestations of sin are merely the fruit of the problem, but a wicked heart is the root of it. Right? It's the wicked heart. 
And we can look at it and we can see everything. Uh, and there was so much that took place uh, in this right here. Uh, and we could see that men had come. Uh, the sheriff could not tame this man. Uh, um, the systems could not tame this man. Uh, the psychologist could not tame this man. Uh, the society could not tame this man. Uh, but friend, uh, when the Savior came along, uh, the Savior tamed this man. He was sitting. He was in his right mind. Amen, friend. All of them couldn't tame him, but Jesus could tame this man. Uh, there was a change uh, displayed in this man's life. There was a commitment displayed in this man's life. Uh, and I am thank God that I'm preaching right now. I'm having a good time. Uh, and I'm telling you, this is a word from the Lord. I, I just want everybody to know that. Uh, and they began to pray him to part of the coast. Uh, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. A commitment. He said, I want you to stay with me. I mean, the people of that region were afraid of Jesus. Verse 15, they, they were afraid. They were afraid of Jesus. They demanded that he leave their country for these people. This episode was way too much. Jesus, you had done too much. I don't understand it. I don't know, I don't know how you tamed that man. But they might have been able to handle a little bit of preaching. But when Jesus started changing lives and costing them money, they wanted no part of anything. Amen. They drove him away. And by the way, there are a lot of people like this in this old world today. Yes. Amen. Just give them a Sunday morning, they're satisfied. Amen. Give them a Sunday morning. Maybe they'll even come back Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night. But don't ask them to do any more than that. Amen. When the Lord wants more, they rebel. Push him away. Friend, I, when, when you come to a place in your life where you're satisfied with your service, you have some big problems. Amen. Amen, friend. When you come to a place where you, can sit, you cannot sit through a preaching service, you have a problem. When you refuse to give Jesus a, a little more because it will interfere with your life and your routine, you got a problem. Amen, friend. And Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus, come to these people. And most folks want just enough Jesus to get them out of hell. Most folks want just enough Jesus to get them out of hell. Jesus isn't a good luck charm. That's not what he is. He is a life-changing, eternal altering Savior. And that's what he is. Amen. Friend, he wants more than just a few hours a week. Friend, he wants everything you have, everything you are, to be laid on the altar of surrender. And we must herald this today, friend. We have to herald this. You need to hear this. And friend, I'm telling you the truth. He wants more than just that. I'm telling you, he might just... He might, if you want to treat the Lord how you treat the Lord, he might just give you what you desire of him. Just as much as you want. Man, friend. When we teach our children that other things in life are more important than worshiping the things of God, don't be surprised when they walk away from the Lord later on. I'm seeing it in people's lives right now. I'm seeing it when we tell the Lord by our actions that we are satisfied, that we do not want any more. Do not be surprised when He takes away what we already do have. Amen, friend. I'm talking about mama, daddy, us, friend, everything you got. If you're not worshiping, I'm telling you the truth, God's going to take away what's a little bit you do have. 
telling you. Telling you, everything you have better be given to God. And when we teach our children those things, uh, there was a there was a there was a there was a lady, um, oh Lord help me. Miss Wesley, Miss Wesley, John Wesley's mother, she had 19 children. Okay? That's a lot of kids. Somebody say amen. That's a lot of kids. She had 19 children. She had a desire that she wanted to be a missionary on the field. She wanted to be a missionary in Africa. And she could not because she married a husband who was a preacher and uh, said he was a sorry preacher, said he never went out anywhere. The Lord couldn't use him much, and that's just where she stuck. So she decided that she was going to be a missionary. Since God called her to the mission field, she was going to be a missionary to her children. Can I tell you that's the biggest mission field you got, ladies? And men. Biggest mission field you ever have is to your children. To your children. It is. Keep her at home. That's to your children. And it's important. It's important. We can break down the Bible. I understand what the preacher said the other day, speaking of keepers at home, um, speaking to the men. Read your Bible and see if that was in context. It was not. I just want to let everybody know that. It was not in context. Read your Bible, okay? Everybody amen on that one? All right, just read your Bible on that one. That wasn't what that was actually speaking of, okay? But nonetheless, here's what we have. If we can be missionaries at home, if the Lord can trust us to mission our children at home, then man, He can trust us with many more. He says, what? He said, I'm trying to think of the Bible verse, but He tells us that if we'll be faithful in little things, He'll make us ruler of many. Just telling you the truth, friend. When we tell the Lord by our actions that we're not satisfied, that we do not want more, do not be surprised when He takes away everything you have. If we honor him, he'll bless us. If we treat him like we can make it without him, he may just give us what we ask for. Amen. You say, preacher, that's not in the text. Look at it. There's a contrast in our text. The town people, the townspeople want Jesus to leave, uh, and the man who has just got saved uh, want Jesus to stay there. It's apparent. It's apparent. That's what salvation will do for you. That's exactly what it would do for you. When you get saved uh, and your heart is right with the Lord, uh, you'll love Him. Uh, you'll love His house. Uh, you'll love His Word. Uh, and you'll love His people. Uh, and wherever Jesus is, that's where you'll want to be. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen, friend. It's hard breaking down 20 verses, by the way. You can expect an hour if we're going to break down 20 verses. We got two more verses. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I believe that's the same men that were fearful. They were marveling. Let me tell you the only story that's going to get somebody to heaven. The story of Jesus. What he did for them. Tell them what he did for you. Start there. It's not as hard as you think it is, but there is a there's a commission that was displayed for the Lord. There was a commission that was displayed. Jesus refused the man's request to go back with him, and instead Jesus sent him back to his home to tell what the Lord had done for him. Amen. And that is precisely what he did. 
We see that he went to the towns of Decapolis. That's, by the way, means ten cities. Um, and, and you can look that up. But he preached the gospel to all those who would listen. And can you, can you picture in your mind the scene that was played out in front of them? Just picture in your mind that. Uh, the people see him coming. They cringe in fear. Uh, children hide behind their mother's doors or slam shut. And people run in fear to hide from the madman that's coming their way. But wait a second. Something's different about this man. Something's different today. Yes, it's, it's still him. Uh, uh, he still bears the same scars in his body uh, uh, from cutting himself. Uh, and he still, uh, uh, he still has all those things. But the look in his eyes different. He's got clothes on. Things are different. He isn't screaming. Uh, but he's preaching a man, about a man named Jesus. Friend, you don't deserve it, neither do I. He isn't running around like a wild man. He's calm and he's sane and he's talking about how Jesus has changed his life and he isn't naked, he's clothed, uh, he's peaceful uh, and he's changed. Uh, And friend, I tell you, the people listen to his story and they're touched and some are no doubt saved. What a difference Jesus makes. We're commanded to share the gospel. The Bible tells us to go out to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And that's what we are to do. Amen. We're to do that. Teaching one another to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even into the end of the world. That, that's what we're to do. We're to go to a lost world and tell them how the same thing this man was commanded to tell them. This man was commanded to tell them, go and home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Man, that's enough to shout about right now. Amen, friend, compelled to come and commanded to go. That's our job. That's our job. And when you see this man, you ought to be look you when you see this man in scripture, you ought to be like, man, look at what Jesus did for me. Think about what Jesus did for you. If I don't put a fire in your soul, Jesus didn't do anything. I'm telling you the truth. And I'm not I'm not talking about just some way like that, like doesn't mean that Jesus didn't save you. That's the one. But I'm telling you tonight that it ought to spark a fire up in you to know that Jesus would come to this world. I mean, think about it. He he brought me from. Look where he brought me from. He weathered the storm of the sea of Galilee, and he went all the way across just to meet one man. And think about the storm that he weathered on Calvary. When he went up there and walked up that rugged hill uh, and he carried that heavy cross uh, and he walked all the way up the hill uh, and he put it up and was put on it just to die for someone like you. I know how worthless I am. I know how I could shout more. I know how I could worship more. I know how I could pray more and read my Bible more. I know that I could. But he didn't look at that, man. He just looked at the relationship that I needed with the Father. Friend, think about the storm he weathered for you. Calvary. He weathered this storm of Galilee just to tame the untamable man. 
There's no man too far for God. No person too far for God. He will go the long way. He'll get around. He will 110% come to tame the man that no man can tame. Thank you for your ears tonight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us as we...